yep. as normal. Although nothing is normal in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. Liam, is your throat substantially cleared now from the coughs? It is indeed. Yes, I've had the coughs all week. Um, but yes, it was is it, Was it from shouting? Was it from shouting at the screen on, on Sunday night? Look, that played a large part of it, shouting at the screen. Um, also shouting to have my order heard at King Street Maccas later on that <laughs> evening. That was... Uh, it's quite a crowd. It absorbs the sound that building. You know, it's always it also echoey. absorbs the, uh, the the scum of Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a magnet. It's just it really is. You find the worst, the worst there at King Street Macca's. Hence, I was there. Yes. <laughs> How's the food there? I haven't eaten there in a while. Oh, it's delightful. It's a wonderful restaurant. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> That's the main thing. Yeah. It's uh, as long as they twenty keep... nuggets, twenty four nuggets for ten dollars. That's insane. How are they making money on that? I don't know. It's wonderful. I think nuggets is really cheap to make. Oh, and they're delicious. <laughs> yeah. Now, but Liam. We've, it was Easter Sunday. It was our very first birthday. We're now one year old. We're, we're practically ancient. Did you eat your chockies on Sunday? Yeah. Anytime? I, I was sort of eating them leading up to Easter. <laughs> like, you know, like a good Friday. I sort of had, I'd already bought a few. And then and then by the time like Sunday came around, I was like, oh, I'm sort of enough. I'm sort of over chocolate. But I eat it sort of year round. Easter loses its appeal when you can buy your own chocolate, basically. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's a lot. It's a lot better when chocolate has to be given to you. But then you realise it's like three dollars, and you're like, "Oh, I'll just get it all the time." I can just purchase that at will. <laughs> now, Liam, there was a game on Sunday. Yes, the Knights vs Dragons, and look, we didn't come away with the chockies. Nice, um, good segue. Yes, the uh, it, but you know, thirty thirty to twelve, we went down to the Dragons. Obviously, we watched it at the Commonwealth Hotel for our very first birthday. We had a fantastic evening, despite the result. But Liam, I have to ask you about the game. What went? I'm going to say what went right for you with the game. I'm going to, I know we, I know we lost, but what went right? What do you, what do you like about? This? Actually, a few things went right. You know, I think a lot went wrong, obviously, to contribute to the loss. But safe to say that Newcastle did not play terribly. You know, I think in the past games like that would have blown out. They would have been, pardon me, a much larger scoreline than what we saw on Sunday. And I think it was really good that the Knights very they hung in there. They still looked dangerous in attack towards the end. Yeah. Um, the defence could have used a bit of work, obviously, to leak 30 points. But, you know, at no point did the Knights look like they were down and out, busted, done, not competing at all. They were still putting in right up until, you know, the final minutes, which I think was good. And uh, our, I thought our attack was very good, you know, especially running through the Pong. Um, have we got a sound for that, Nagy? The Pong. The Pong. You know, every time we were in the Dragons' half, uh, we looked dangerous and, yep. you know, we scored a few tries. I think the Highington try was a bit soft. Uh, well-architected. Yeah. Uh, is that the word? Architected? We're going to use it. Well, yeah. Well-architected. Well put together. But uh, probably a bit on the soft side. But, you know, it seemed like every time we were attacking in the Dragons' half, we did show some promise and we did look a wee bit dangerous. Yeah, I think uh, as far as me, I, I did like our attack. Like A lot of it didn't come off in that final moments. But leading up to it, you know, we... Look, we couldn't apply a lot of pressure. Couldn't get a lot of repeat sets. And that's where I think... Uh, players like Mitchell Pierce and Brock Lamb uh, score a lot of points and create a lot of tries is when we're building pressure uh, and that's when we've seen tries come from you know around the fringes of the second rounds. Now um, I did like like it, right right on half time. I think it was a real real moment because we nearly did what every team does to us when they like the Dragons had a lead um, and it was 12, tw- uh, 20 to twelve uh, and in the final seconds uh, a pass was called back. It went from I think uh, Daniel Safedi uh, back on the inside. 
but the pass was called back to be forward. If it wasn't called, called forward, Mitchell Pearce is away down the middle. Under the post. Under the post. It looked like it was he only had the fullback to beat with players and support. That could have been, you know, we could have gone in 2018, completely different game. And everyone views Mitchell Pearce's performance very differently from that point of view because also he put Chris Harrington, a man in his 70s, <laughs> over, over the line untouched. Untouched. I love how Chris Harrington scored that try because uh, you could tell, like, coming from a player like myself, who, uh, when I was playing in the, in the very, very amateur levels, didn't score many tries. I know it might shock you with my, 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 athletic physique that I wasn't a, a proficient try scorer but it, it, when you get close to the line you sort of realise hang on I'm over the line now I've got to get this ball down as quickly as you can and your legs sort of give out and you put it down by your hips and because it, it's a weird thing to dive it's forward. not a stylish way to score a try now no 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 no. and I only did very few of those but well it, I think that uh, Heinton's uh, try drought I believe stretches back to sometime in late 2015 so yeah. it was good to see him cross the stripe and get off the nudie run because uh there's a certain promise he made when he did uh, win the premiership with the Sharks. Yeah. Promised James Maloney a certain surgical operation he'd get done downstairs that he has not followed through on. So it's good we don't want to see him nude. The Prince Albert? Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, no, look, there was some good things to come up from it. Um, but obviously, we've made a lot of errors in the, inside that 20. And it was really heartbreaking to see that. Um, so I'll lead straight into what went wrong, Liam. What went wrong for you? Well, you've just hit the nail on the head. It was, it was those crucial errors. There was a 15 minute period where it just seemed like the Knights couldn't get out of the middle third of the field every time we'd you know take the ball out of our own half working well out of our own 20 we'd get to the middle third your 30 meter 40 meter line there'd be a knock on there would be a forward pass it was just those little errors creeping back into the game that crueled us so much last year they're not happening as early as they were last year they're no longer your first tackle coming out of trouble penalties but they're still in that area where the dragons are so dangerous, 30, 40 metres out, and it really just put the pressure back on. I mean, you do have to give a fair bit of credit to the dragons' defence. I mean, Jack DeBellin forced oh, oh. three incredible, three knock-ons with his just unbelievable chop tackling. He was just hitting right under the point of the ball with the shoulder. He was a meat axe. And, yeah. you know, a lot of credit has to go to the defence of the dragons making the errors as much as it, you know, is to the detriment of the Knights. Yeah, they forced, they forced the pressure. They and They forced... The errors now. Yes, yeah, yes. They, they really they found them uh, in us. And I love Jack DeBellin. I'm not sure if you caught the interview after when they asked, like, oh, Jack DeBellin, you had a great game. Uh, you know, Origin's creeping up. They always talk about Origin around this time. And they're like, oh, how do you feel? And you're 18th man last year. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm made for it. Like, like he didn't that say like. That made me so excited. <laughs> Even though he'd just done a number on the Knights, I was yeah. really excited to hear a player say in an interview, I'm made, I think I'm made for Origin. And I think I agree. I think he's got to be in. You know, consideration for it. Yeah, ever since you got a bloody haircut and chopped that stupid top knot off. You didn't like the top knot, did you, Nate? I don't like top knots in general, Billy Barton. Uh, so <laughs> so um, uh, I'm very glad that anyone that has a top knot who's a male or identifies as a male can just chop it off. I miss the beard, though. He did look like the, the Viking the guy from the Viking show that the- I've never watched. Yeah, right, but the, the previews look amazing. It's gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Liam, I have to ask you, uh, was there any hats off for a player that you think did particularly well? Yeah, look, I've still got to give my hats off to Slade Griffin. He's uh, been featuring heavily in our hats off section. Um, you know, he had another great performance. There was 45 tackles, more good service out of the ruck, good defensive pressure. It was just kind of, he put in what's becoming a classic 80-minute Griffo performance, you yeah. know? He just gets out there, he does all the very small things, and he does them well, and he does them with intensity and at pace. And, yeah. you know, it's hard for him when the, other, when the rest of the team aren't quite living up to his level of effort. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's really leading by example, and I'm, I'm really liking 
Slade Griffin. I think he's been a re- remarkable signing. And yeah, he gets my hats off again for the week. How about you, Nagy? Well, I have to agree with you of uh, Slade Griffin, except my hats off goes to the Pong. The it's it, another like remarkable performance straight out of the gates. Um, he just looks dangerous. He does the that you know he accelerates towards the line with that goose step. He goes in the angle and he's just he's just fooling defenders left, right, and center. He's been looking dangerous, and I don't think there's a moment. Excuse me. I don't think there's a moment when he's on the field and he's playing that you don't still think we're in, we're with a chance here because he's you know he's just slippery. He's one of those and strong. He's yeah. hashtag pong strong, and uh, it, it's one of those players that when you play against and you think like you think to yourself, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna wallop this bloke. He's only tiny, <laughs> and you think yeah, and then you even like yeah, and then he just you think you're playing him, he's playing you. He's just too good. He's he's uh he's at the moment by the season. I think Liam, you were saying uh, earlier how he is. Uh, leader of the... Um, yeah, he's tied for first on the Dallium leaderboard with six points. Six points. He's picked up points in three of our uh, games so far. Yeah, and I think he's tied with five other players. However, still first. first. Still counts. That's right, unless you're second, and then you drop right down <laughs> to, like, sixth, and then that's upsetting. Isn't that strange how second is sixth, yeah. and first is fifth? Yeah, it's all tied. <sighs> the system's fallen to bits. <laughs> but, but Liam, uh, so yeah, uh, hats back on to a player that you think maybe uh, didn't live up to. Uh, yeah, look, my hats back on has to go to Brock Lamb this week. Now, what we have to remember, Knights fans, and seeing on the socials after the game, there was, you know, it disturbed me how many calls there were to drop Brock Lamb. First of all, who are we get to put in in his place? He's replacing Connor Watson. After that, who have we got? But secondly, Jack it's Cogger. his. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah the cog, yeah. but. The Cog has played even less with Mitchell Pierce. You know, yeah, it was his first true. game starting with Mitchell Pierce. He was rusty. He showed it, made a few errors, a couple of missed tackles. But again, it's it's combinations. It's a new side essentially, yeah. especially with uh, in the Haas with Pierce and uh, Lamb starting now. It's a new Haas combination. They're bound to have at least one shocker, which. Lamb has already got out of the way, which is good. Yeah, get the shocker and out of the way early. We yeah. just need to give him time to develop his relationship with Pierce and let it happen. Stop telling Brownie to drop him. I think it was funny. I like it was funny and sad at the same time because we obviously at the start of the season looked like Brock Lamb might not have a, a, um, a spot in the side. Other teams were sniffing around, and the, the peanut gallery of the night supporters just led up with. You know, we can't let him go. He's a Newcastle junior, and we've we've gotten this far, and we shouldn't have signed Connor Watson. We should hold on to Lamb. He has one bad game, and then it's suddenly like, ah, what's he doing there? He looks, he's not up to first grade level. We should get rid of him. And it's like you can't have it both ways. You either support the guy through thick and thin, whichever one's good, whichever one's bad. I think uh, we worked out that it's thick is good. I heard thin was good. On oh, well, we haven't worked I mean, thin, it out no, at all. thin was anyway. Um, we can't work out any of these <laughs> systems that we have. Look, we stuck. We need to stick by him. If you want, if you want to support a player to say that we need to keep him and you give him an opportunity and he doesn't live up to that expectation, there's you know there's 22 rounds left in this season and you think that he's not going to have better performances or you think we should drop him down to reserve grade because he's going to find some form down there. He's, he was only coming off the bench for the first three games. He's got an opportunity to start. He didn't live up at expectation, but, you know, it's it, it, that's football. It's, it's merely one single game. He showed us towards the back end of last year what he can do and operating with a, you know, much more experienced halves partner. He was essentially a dominant half towards the end of last year. He now has to step back and that's got to be a hard thing to do. I mean, you're seeing it at North Queensland. Their halves uh, have gone to shit and they've got the most experienced half that's ever played the game. Yeah. Michael Morgan, who's a superstar last year, and they're not gelling. So what chance do Pierce and Lamb have to do the same in their first game? Give the boy time. Yeah, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Yes, no, I agree. And um, yeah, so that, that was, uh, so your, your hat's back on goes to Lamb this Correct. week, however, but maybe hopefully not next week. No, hopefully not. It's only, again, the hat, 
can be taken off and put on at will. It, yeah. it, it doesn't go on and stay on. It doesn't come off and stay off. We don't put it in the bin. Yeah. You know, the hat can the hat can change its position throughout the year. We're, we're going to take our hats and put our hats on as as we as we feel right, unless we're at our nans for dinner. Then you have to just take it off. Absolutely. We might buy new hats if we like. <laughs> don't tell us what to do with our goddamn hats. Now, we'll do my, it as we please. Speaking of, my hat's back on. Uh, goes to uh, the, a player that I was sort of defending last last week uh, from a sack question. Uh, this, I think it was from uh, from Stephen Clark uh, sent, sent in asking, uh, "Do you drop Jacob Lilliman because he's not living up to the uh, first three performances underdone?" And I said, "No, look, he's just a little bit there. Like you, you maybe bench him like that." I am now back on. <laughs> he's got it like he's got a drop. Yeah, like he 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 played thirty four minutes right. Uh, probably got done up with a rotation because we lost um, Tao Tao and had to sub someone on, but. Look, he, he played in the 34 minutes, only managed, I think, four hit-ups, 34 metres, did nothing. Put the ox out to pasture, you reckon? Oh, he just needs something. Put a firecracker up his backside. But like, then he'll uh, be injured and won't be able to play at all. He'll be limping, yeah. No, yeah. But, but at least he'll show some feeling. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's... It, it and was, a lot of blood. Look, yeah, it was um, it, it was just a, such an underdone performance. Like, he got outdone by every other forward on the paddock. And that was like, and they weren't remarkable either. And you could see that, you know, we were probably starving for ball. Um, around those times that he was on, but no, come on, four hit ups, that's like just effortless. It's, it's not many. No, no, it's, it's just not, not enough. And it's not up to the NRL standard. Not up maybe. to his standard of like just being a player of uh, of his caliber, mm. you know, or his age. Uh, he, so, but, or both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He only made 34 meters. He made a meter for every Ooh. year he's been on the earth. <laughs> I think he's Ooh. only 32 or something. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I have to say, Liam, there was something through the week that I was thinking about. And I was got to say, like, now it's four rounds in. And we say it's only early, and it is. Uh, and we're two two from, not two from two, we're two and two. Uh, and the, the, the question is, like, there's players underperforming consistently uh, in this pack that we probably had in our starting pack. Do you think there's anyone that, that might be form-wise looking just on, uh, as a conglomerate, like a congl- uh, as a, as a four-round these players aren't meeting up to the standard that you'd hope to by now on every game. For me, and this hurts me to say because he's been such a good clubman, one of our captains for years, I feel like Sione's having some real trouble going back to centre. He's yep. having real trouble going back to centre, especially in defence. The reads in defences on the edges have been quite bad. He made a few shockers over the weekend that led to tries. Um, and yeah, it kills me to say this because he's been such a great clubman. He was great in the back row. It just feels like he's having some real trouble uh, readjusting to that centre role, especially with the fairly compressed defensive line the Knights are working with. Yeah. You know, in tight in the middle of the ruck where he's defending as a second rower. These decisions weren't as exposed quite as easily, whereas now that he's out wide, if he goes in, you know, goes for the big hit as he tends to do and he misses, doesn't pull it off, gone. Try time. And yeah, I think Sione's sh- having some trouble. Out there in the centres. I agree, and I tell you another player, another player for me that I don't think so over the four games is our, our, one of the one of the show's favourites, Barney. Barney's back. Barney's back under where I hope he'd be. He's, now, do you think that comes from the concussion against Canberra? He just hasn't looked right since then, Nagy. We discussed it last I th- week. I think he's showing the signs of having not having a preseason. Uh, he obviously finished the season very well last year. We hoped he was going to be a real Ford Pack leader. He's only a young guy. He's only about 24 years old. Uh, but I was expecting more. I was expecting more from him. Obviously, he made an error uh, in a key time uh, against the Dragons. He's just, for me, he's just uh, he hasn't looked dynamic when he's running the ball. Uh, he's he had always had a, a bit of a like he's always been a strong defender, but he always looked like he had a bit of a pass or an offload, or he'd go down the down the fringe and he would he would you know he would have that hold the ball in two hands. 
uh, old. We, we talked about it last season that older style of footballer, uh, but he's just not showing it. There. He's more of a tuck and run sort of a player at the moment. He's just I don't know. Which I agree. That was such a good part of his game last year. That take it to the line, the late pass to the either the front rower or another edge back rower. He was really starting to incorporate that into his game well. But yeah, it seems like. He's like you said. He's gone for the tuck. Yeah, now, and and it's a very important that we also bring this up now uh, for for players. Um, you know, in the, in the rotation, they're going up, they're going down. We have to obviously make a uh, a change because a big big thing for the thirty to twelve that um, we we lost Tao Tao Moga, one of our key off season off season signings, uh, and he's done his ACL. Uh, this is the fourth time he's done his ACL, uh, but there's a bit of good news that surfaced today, even though he's completely ruptured it and he'll be out for the whole season, which is very bad news. But if you've got to find a silver lining, um, it is that, that he did this on his good knee. Now, the reason that <laughs> now the reason why this is good news is because he the three other times he'd done this on his uh, on his other knee, his ba- bad knee, if, as if you would. He's 24 years old. Now, if he'd Just done... Just a baby. Yes, I know, but he looks like he might be 46. He's aged horribly. I'm yeah, not, no. I, I think we might... You know one of those players that you have to sort of check the birth certificate when they're playing under 15? Yeah. yeah, I think everyone will be checking the birth certificate because I don't think he's 24. <laughs> Maybe he's 24, you know, rings on the tree and that's how, what he's, that's how he's marking him. But he's... But he, he... If he'd done this to the fourth time the same knee, uh, there wouldn't be a surgeon in the land that would say, you should go back and play contact sport again. He'd be done. That's it. You'd be looking at retirement. I'm glad you brought that up because I was concerned about that. I, I didn't see this silver lining, but you know, I was effectively thinking that this is it for Tao Tao. It's got to be it because that's four, but it's the good knee. So we're all good, but still a nine to 12 month recovery time, which, you know, we saw with Dylan Pythian, he had the, you know, 14 month recovery and mm. then decided to do drugs. So yeah. let's hope Tao Tao doesn't dip into <laughs> Dylan's medicine bag. <laughs> He's, uh, I think for me, if he was 27, that's that, uh, you, why would you risk it? He's got age on his side. He's a professional footballer. Um, I can see, like, what what I, what I think he's going to come through the rehabilitation of the Knights regardless. He's on a three-year contract. He's going to come through. They're going to rehabilitate him as if he's going to play again. The Knights are obviously going to have his, um, especially with all the injury concerns that we've had previously, they're not going to play him if they feel like it's going to be a detriment to his health, whether it be mental health, physical health, whatever the case might be. But we will see Tao Tao Moga again. He's, in the red and blue. In the red and blue. Good. Might be on the sideline, maybe running the waters. No, it <laughs> He's, look, he, he, I think, from my, my own opinion, we'll see him again. Well, with his knees, I hope he's walking the waters. Don't run, Tata. Well, Don't run. The, the other thing that like people might have said, like, oh, he's, he's you know, he, he won't come back again. But, I, you know, I, no, I'll be rehashing. Look, I really think he will be back. He, he, on, on a knee, you've, he's recovered this knee three times, like his bad knee that's now at the moment he's good knee bear, bear with me here but um, for someone <laughs> but for someone that, that knows that you can recover and look when we signed him when he was playing he never looked like a player that was playing on bad knees he looked dynamic he looked quick he could change direction fast uh, I think even the, I think the fact that he's done this injury three times before he knows how to rehab it he knows how to come back bigger better stronger and I think he will and you're right he was playing dynamically after the three knee reconstructions he seems to have the mental side of the recovery sorted so Best wishes to Tao Tao, and yeah, wishes, hopefully yep. uh, we'll be seeing him next year back on the field. Yeah, wish him a speedy recovery. Look, we're going to have a quick halftime break, and then we're going to be back with all of Spiegelman, the Hebrew Hammers stats. <laughs> mm. We'll be right back, Yum. Justice. Thank <laughs> you. 
Commonwealth Hotel for our very first birthday, the Joust first birthday. Liam, how are you feeling? Look, I'm feeling good. I'm uh, excited, excited. I'm enthused. I'm, I'm over the moon to be here celebrating with some friends, drinking some beers and about to watch some footy. <laughs> We're going to come inside and check out uh, a few of the Knights fans, a few of the Jousters to see how they're feeling about the evening. So let's step inside and have a look. We're here with Oscar Gallagher. Oscar, obviously a Dragons fan. Uh, how do you feeling about the day? Like, how do you feel about the game coming up? Well, I think it's going to be a great game, a great clash, classic clash. Um, I think the Dragons are going to come out ahead, but I think the Knights have something that they can bring to it. I think, it, it, I think the Knights could surprise people this evening. I, 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 you know, I think you might be onto something there, Oscar, but uh, also, like, how do you feel about being the Joust's first birthday? I'm a Dragon, but they are my second side, and the Joust, fantastic, fantastic for the city, fantastic for the Knights. It's a great thing. Very excited. All right, get, <laughs> mate, you just stop that. <laughs> so get your tongue out of my ass, mate. All right, we're here for the Jazz. We'll, we'll speak to some more people soon. We're here with Jacob Small. Jacob, how are you feeling about the game tonight? Loving it. Very good. All right, so how, how about you feel about, how do you think the night's season's going to go today? Well, um, last couple of weeks hasn't been too good. No. Um, but there's always potential. Mm. In life, there's always potential. But um, to be honest, nah, it's not looking too good at all. I'm a bit disappointed, Obviously, the scores uh, at the moment isn't representing what we'd like to see for the Knights. Uh, we're a couple of points down. Do you think we can do it with 20 minutes to go? Oh, it was about 15 minutes, but absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's about, yeah, ab easy, easy, mate, easy. Penalties. Penalties. Penalties to the Knights or against the Knights? No, to or for the Knights. Just give, just give us points. I don't care how we get them. Just want to win. <laughs> You've heard of here first. Jousters, uh, Jacob Small wants them to win. Joust, we've got a huge, very, very special treat for you here. Joust alumni, Nathan Wright, here to watch the game uh, against the Dragons with us. Righty, what are you thinking, mate? What's going on at the moment? Uh, not a great deal, I've got to say. Um, I can tell you one thing. There's two teams out there today, and there's one that's got more points, and I think that means something in this game. Look, Righty, is it safe to say that Jesus Christ did not die for the Knights' sins today? They did die for my sins, that's for sure. Everything has been forgotten over this long weekend, uh, but the Knights have a lot to answer for at the moment, that's for sure. Okay, good to hear from another good Christian boy. Courtesy of the Joust, Nathan Wright. Thank you very much, Righty. Let's get pissed. Always a pleasure. Tears to the Joust. Cheers. Cheers. Here we are with Wright Merch. Merch, I've got to ask, you know, not the result we wanted, but how do you feel? Hard to say, mate. Hard to say. It's, uh, it's not the greatest of um, it's not the greatest of results, but uh, you know we've had that win at the start of the season. But you know, a couple of games in, what do you expect? So against the Dragons, the Dragons played really well last last week. But uh, you know, Knights played well, but not the greatest. But what are you thinking about it? Well, it was a really drawn out way to say that we didn't get the win on the day, but I tell you what, the Dragons had a pretty good diet. So uh, <laughs> thanks very much, Birch. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Jousters. Uh, that's the end of our birthday. We didn't get the result we wanted, but I tell you what, I can't thank the Commonwealth Hotel enough for having us. Liam, how do you feel about tonight? Look, it's a wonderful venue, and yeah, we didn't get the result we wanted, but uh, you know, the Joust was born on Knights losing. We celebrated our first year on Knights losing, and hopefully, we won't be seeing the Knights losing too much more. Thank you very much. <laughs> we, we may have died, but we'll be born again. Thank you very much. This is Easter out. <laughs> Might be a bit more with my rant. Ah, oh, Jesus. Welcome back to the second half of the Joust. Wasn't that a fun time at the Commie, Liam? Oh, it was a wonderful afternoon. Very great evening. Thank you very much, Stu and Kath, for uh, hosting us. All the team. They were so, such a friendly team. Thank you, everyone, for coming along and being a part of it. Now, Liam, uh, we have a special 
uh, edition of our stats, our stat time from uh, the very own Hebrew Hammer. Hebrew Hammer. Beautiful harmonies. Gorgeous song. Yes, look, as he does every week, uh, Josh Spiegelman has uh, put out his stats for the week, and they tend to make some pretty dire reading for the week. But I'm going to start with some positives. Uh, the Pong, as we mentioned earlier, is leading the uh, Dally M count, mm. which basically means he's the best player in the competition. Team high, 170 metres. He made 10 tackle busts, which, again, he's just proving almost untackleable. Uh, and one try assist, which is very good. Mm. Uh, but then the rest of the stats are not quite so gorgeous. Now, it starts... We're falling into the trap that we fell into a bit last year. There was 13 errors. We only had a 67% completion rate. Um, there was knock-ons. There was forward passes. It's not a good enough completion rate to be winning rugby league games 67%. Now, that's that's like what we, 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 when we were winning games against Canberra and against Manly, we were competing with the with second completion. So we were at the highest of the comp, I think, after two rounds. So it was obviously this reflective of, you know, not, not, not necessarily because we're also conceding 30 points, but we're conceding lots of points against Canberra and Manly as well. But it's just completions of sets which lead leading to our points and it led to a we only had 42 percent percent rather percent. of the possession possession percent of the possession 42 yeah. percent and uh we had to make it 79 more tackles now my maths is not very good but i believe that's an extra 13 sets we had to defend I was gonna say 13 ten. sets of tackles yeah. more than our opposition we had to make that's a lot and they're tiring they're tiring, it's tiring. Yeah. and it's fatiguing us and it, it allows their forwards to really come into the game. They ended up running for, if I can find my statistics, 400 and something metres more than us. Mm. Um, sorry, Josh, my handwriting's not great. 450 metres more than us. Yeah, and that, again, all that backpedalling and working in defence, it just tires the team out. Yeah, and no, it does. And look, obviously, their, their forward pack, their starting pack, is arguably the best in the comp. Um, you know, at the start of the year, I would have said Canberra's is the best in the comp, but Canberra's just not standing up to anything at the moment. The Dragons are. If you look at that, James Graham, uh, Paul Vaughan, their back row of J- Jack DeBellin, uh, Tarek Sims, who's you know a bit of a pea heart, but you know the, he did get that try <laughs> against us. He's a big body, uh, and he does run well down the, down the side. Um, yeah, that, that whole that whole starting forward pack is just scary. Well, as you mentioned, Graham, he ran for an amazing 176 meters, but also was the danger man that we very astutely, ladies and gentlemen, pointed mm. out last week. Nene McDonald, Nagy, you want to? Get his name again? I can't say it. Even if Nene. 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 Ran for 179 metres. Oh, I don't know how many tries he scored, but it was quite a few. Maybe one. I think it was two. I, don't I think know. it was two. I it was more than he should have. But the other thing as well, you know, we're having to make a lot more tackles, but we're also tackling somewhat ineffectively. We're currently leading the NRL across the first four rounds with ineffective tackles. We've made 81 ineffective tackles across the first four rounds. I like to be leading stats. As much as the next fat Not person. that one. But that one is not one we want to want to be leading. Ineffective tackles, as mm. it sounds like. And that also is our word of the week. Ineffective tackles. And I can't find the <laughs> thing, so it might be wrong. Ineffective wrong. tackles. <laughs> we moved on from effort areas last week. We're talking now ineffective tackles. And again, the offloads. Dragons, 15 offloads absolutely killed us. They got that second phase rolling, yeah. which the Dragons have been known to do, last season especially. And they've really carried that on into this season. But now they've got a set of halves and a back line who can operate really well off those effective offloads. Yeah, no, and look, full credit to, to Dragons doing well, but also they are a bit of the April premiers as they have been the last couple of seasons and they don't come up with the, with you know, they don't cut the mustard later on. So hopefully that's still the case. Another saying I don't understand, no one cuts mustard. I know, you sort of scoop it's it. It's a powder or it's a semi-liquid. You scoop. You scoop it, even yeah. with a knife. You sort of, it's like... Uh, well, I guess to create the mustard, you have to. Well, you, you know, you kind of you don't cut mush the mustard. You seeds. mush the mustard. You mush them. Mortar well, and pestle. I don't think they'll be mushing the mustard later on. They won't be mushing the mustard. But who might mush the mustard mm. will be the Brisbans. 
the Brisbane Bronkmans. Yes. Now, of course, Hebrew Hammer's given us some big stats, Huge stats for the Broncos to look out for. Now, we've got some Danger Men. Danger Men's one of the uh, one of the first Danger Men, obviously, is uh, the Peahart's brother, the other Peahart, The Corbin. other Sims, yeah. And now Corbin's leading them with uh, 10.1 metres per run. He's making some very good yardage. And uh, we really need to shut... Uh, move up on him very quickly, yeah. shut down his line speed so he can't make those big runs. Uh, and averaging it out, Josh McGuire is uh, making eight runs a game and he's averaging 10.3 runs across, 10.3 metres across those eight runs. So they're two players we really need to get up quick in defence, shut down. And I tell you, who did that really well last year. Uh, was that, was that, I put a beautiful shot on right in the middle of the paddock was Josh King on, uh, like, uh, pretty much on the player that came in for Corbin Sims when he did the walkout of the club. Uh, and yeah, you know, he put a beautiful shot on him, and in front of in the home crowd, it would like it was. Unfortunately, he's not playing in this game, uh, and that's a play that I would like to see step up later on, especially maybe for maybe a Jacob Lillymoon. I uh, still dream about that tackle. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. so nice, right it. in front of the uh, the drinking hill. Yeah, you could hear you when you hear the thump. It's uh, yeah. The other one we got to look out for now, there's a few more. Darius Boyd, he's leading the team with uh, 0.5 line break assists per game. So mm -hmm. he's getting some players through the line. He's poking his nose through. He also seems to be suffering the ill effects of a hamstring injury. So again, if we put pressure on Darius, they might not break the line quite so much. Look, I think like Darius Boyd is one of those players, he's out of form at the moment. Uh, the whole team's out of form, Brisbane. They didn't score a try against uh, Tigers in the came over the win, and they just got dusted up by uh, the Titans. This is the time we should be, you know, getting one over on them. This is the best time to be playing them, in my opinion, of the season. Absolutely. And again, we come back to the offloads. Now, this has been something the Knights have been fairly weak at defending against. The offloads, especially uh, St. George got, I think, 15 offloads away against us. Anthony Milford is getting away two and a half offloads per game. We yeah. need to wrap him up. We need to get numbers in the tackle. We need to really shut him down. We leak points um, both in Manly and Canberra to offloads. We don't do well against broken play and we can't respond well with offloads. We're not an offloading side because we make errors. Um, sides that just find hands uh, can play that offloading game. We can't really play that ad-lib football. We must build pressure. Uh, so we can't, you know, we have to shut them down because we can't compete with them in in that sort of offloading game. But it's not all so bad and murky and disgusting, Aggie. There is a few little weaknesses in Brisbane that we can attack. Now, Alex Glenn. Now, this is not like Alex Glenn. When I read the stats, I was a bit surprised and I had to read it a second time. Alex Glenn is missing four and a half tackles per game. He's okay. usually a very good, very dependable edge defender, but he seems to be falling a lot off a lot of tackles. Okay. Um, now, I'm not sure which edge he defends on, but we've got some very, very good edge runners in Lockie Fitzgibbon and Aiden Guerra. They both run great lines on the edges there. Mm. And I think we really could benefit. It could behoove us if we send those two, or either one, whichever one's on the side, on that side, yeah. just straight at Alex Glenn. Late footwork, slip past his shoulder. We could be making a few breaks down there. It could be stupendous. Nay, may even be... Superfluous. Superfluous. Which is one fact. better than stupendous. It's much better as well. It's only one better, but it's much better. Um, Nikarima as well. He's uh, the cause of 0.8 line breaks per game. So his defense could do with a bit of work. He's only a little man. So mm. sending some big bodies at him, we could, uh, you know, again, and we send the big bodies who can offload. They get the arms free, pop the ball to our support, which hopefully the Pong... We'll be there as all good fullbacks should. We know Mitchell Pierce will be there because he's a great supporting halfback. He, he runs true. a great support line. That's something I probably uh, wished I saw more of Mitchell Pierce. I mean, nearly got it in that game at that halftime point, which I mentioned before, is that his his running game, his support play is excellent. And he just pop, he knows where to pop up. And it, it, 
that that's something that I hope to see more of Mitchell Pierce. And Jermaine Izaka, now he's the member of the back three we need to target. He's averaging 1.8 errors per game. He did kick the Broncos to victory against the Tigers, but... You know, with the ball coming at him, he can be a bit shaky. So I think he's the player you really target with Pierce's big kicking game. You know, his big old bombs yeah. and uh, the deft little... Oh, bombs. I thought he said bones. And I was like, big old bones. And oh, I was he's like, just regular-sized bones. Regular-sized bones. But he has yeah. big old bombs too, yeah. He does, yeah. So that's kind of our targets and uh, the danger men for the Broncos. And again, many thanks to Josh Spiegelman, the... Hebrew Thank you very much for those uh, stats, Josh. Um, you can catch all of his stats and also on his blog, joshspiegelman.wordpress.com. Uh, uh, fantastic. It's Ibn Liam. Very important time. Now it's time for you to unzip those pants and bring out your sack. I've already had it out for hours, <laughs> Nagy. But it, lots of good questions again this week, users. And the volume of uh, material in the sack has become such that I've had to combine a few all together. So, but I'll try and get you all in sack, sackers. You called the sackers now. <laughs> First one, very simple one. Liam Burden, replacement for Moga. Nagy. Well, we're, we're short on centres. We're short on centres at the start of the season, and that's why we're seeing someone like Sione, who you know wasn't an effective centre the first time, come in. Uh, you, know, he, you know, he had success in the back row, but obviously um, the old head trauma didn't stand up. And we were trying to you know lengthen his career because he's only, I think he's only twelve years old. Um, <laughs> he's only, I think he's only twenty-one. He's Freshly ama- twelve. He's, well. he's amazing that he's only so young, but he seems like he's been around for so long. But um, but like so, we're we light on centres. Uh, the team list got released today, and it looks like that uh, Ken is coming into the side on the wing and uh, our very own Nathan Ross uh, is going to go in the centres. Now, this is uh, a, a position where Nathan Ross has played City Country before. Uh, he, he prefers to play in the centres. He likes to get in and around the ball. Uh, for me, I would have preferred to see SKD there. I just think he's played more time at NRL level at centre. Uh, and I think uh, Nathan Watch can be a fantastic finisher on the wing. But that, yes, we're, we're thin. But I'd like to see also maybe a Naden or Cor- Corey Dennis come up from um, ISP. Well, this leads into our next question. And I've Johnny Chino, Boatswain, and Jim Steltonpool. I've sort of combined your question into a beautiful Frankenstein's monster of questions. Uh, will our edge defence tighten up? Is Ross and CEO a long-term solution to the centre problem? And should we hit the market? We do have Jesse Ramian signed for next year, but do we hit the market perhaps for a short-term solution to the centre conundrum? I think we've got to keep our eyes open. Uh, I know there's an exciting outside back playing for the Tigers right now in I, uh, in, in Reggie's, and that's uh, David Nofaluma. 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 And uh, he, 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 obviously he'd be a great buy to get mid-season. We do have money, but you know, he's, he is in a long-term contract with the Tigers. It'd be hard to... I wouldn't want to pay too much. However, I think the Ken Seo, uh, like Ken Seo hasn't been setting the world on fire in Reggie's, um, and he's now going to be called up to first grade. Uh, he's a quiet player. We don't expect much from him, but he, he can finish well. He did get that double against Parramatta, and hopefully we can see some more of that from him. Well, that's it. You know what you're going to get from Ken Seo? He's a reliable performer. He, again, often doesn't set the world alight, but he does perform reliably. He does his job well, mm. and I think Outside of Ross, they're going to have a bit better communication, I think, and it might just tighten that edge up. Um, should we hit the market? We do have the cap space, but I don't know that we bother. I mean, don't rush into something uh, that you know, unless it's a player that's going to fit. fit exactly, this side, yeah. and Ramian's showing some great form. He was about the only shining light in that Sharks Storm game the other day, which I've got more to say about later. Yep. But yeah, I think we don't hit the market yet like you said we've got Dennis coming through we've got Naden coming through there's a few promising youngsters that Tom. can plug the gap till next year you've Nick. got to remember it's a Nick Meaney Nick as Meany's well there, obviously into Tom Hughes I think as well as around there like these are all players that I think would be better fit to try before we hit the market it's only early that's it you've got to remember all part of Brownie's thing is it's a long term it's a project this isn't just 
you know, a little bit of homework to do and hand in the next day. This is a long-term project. Next question. Yusuf Gabriel and Marcus Harborn. I see what I've done here. I've done the same thing. I've combined the two questions. Mm. What's going on with the Rossi? With Rostock, where's the fire gone? What's, uh, he's having a quiet season so far. He's, he's, look, he and SKD both aren't seeing the ball to score tries. We haven't had those sweeping um, back plays that are, that are finishing with the wingers. So, you know, a couple of tries and suddenly they're, you know, the, the, their running games have been fine. Both making over 100 metres, uh, around about 140, I think, off 17 runs. Both similar con- post-contact metres. Um, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the running game. I think it's their centres that um, are having like both Sioni and then Tao Tao replacing with Brewer. They're making the defensive errors. They're coming in. And of course, you only watch where the player, the, the unmarked player goes. And you assume because the unmarked player is outside of the winger, they must have been Rossi and they must have been SKDs. It's the inside it's, man's fault. It all starts somewhere, you know. Um, and you can say they're rushing in. There's lots of pressure. On, look, there's pressure on Rossi right now, but I, I have faith in um, that, he, that he's a performer. He loves playing at home. And hopefully you get a try down in Rossi's corner. And I think the other thing you've got to look at with Rossi as well, in the last few years, he's essentially been one of the senior clubmen. He, at only 27, he's been one of the senior... I think he's 29. 29. Yeah. However old he is. He's been one of the senior members of the team. He's had to step up and do a lot more work. I think you're seeing now that he can step back a bit. He doesn't have to take a lot of those hard runs because they can be shared around. Yeah. So I think that responsibility has been taken off him a bit. He doesn't need to do quite as much as he has had to in the past. Yeah. And maybe that's why he's been a bit quiet. He's been a bit off. But we still love him. Look, We love the Rostock. We love the Rostock here. And I, I have full faith that he's going to have a really good game against Brisbane. Now, Sugar Shane, Shane Carter, avid listener of the show, first-time questioner. Sucrose. Sucrose. Sucrose for Shane. Sucrose Shane. Has the rot set back in, Nagy? Do you <laughs> want to yell at him? Yeah, yeah look, i tell you what, Shane. Um, you, you know, you, obviously you're, you're a Storm supporter, mate. Like, and you, you, you come in here and antagonise <laughs> Talk us. about rot. Yeah, he you used, used to, to be, be a night supporter. supporter. Note from our producer. Thank you very much, Elliot, for that uh, that keynote. Uh, but like, you know, you walked away from the club to go to greener pastures, right? And you're talking about the rot setting in. Have you seen the AGL players and the performances they've been putting in, mate? The rot is setting in in their joints, all right? <laughs> we'll, we'll touch more on the storm game soon, but please, we're growing and you're dying. <laughs> Perfect summation. I have nothing to add. Uh, now, our very own. Want some quick fire predictions from us? Now, Nagy, I'm going to throw these predictions to you and I'm going to offer my own. Yep. Broncos at home. Uh, I think we will just scrape over because we're at home. The home ground advantage will get us, but it'll be a high pointing, high point scoring game. I'm thinking 30 to 20. Agreed. Storm at away at there. Uh, like we've had some pretty good performances against them, but I don't think we're going to. Uh, currently, we're leaking too many points. To score, Storm can score too many points. Knights first half, Storm second half. Agreed. We've been a bit of a bogey team down there, but I think the form the Storm are in and the form we'll be taking, I think the Storm have a point to prove. I think they'll get it. Tigers at home, Nagy. This is a doozy. No, this is not Tigers at home. This is Tigers in Tamworth. Oh, Tigers in Tamworth. It yeah. is a home game, technically. But in Tamworth, great town. I think we can beat the Tigers. I don't think they're playing that crash hot. They're just, I think they're being a bit lucky at the moment with their form. I think uh, their, their position on the table is probably flattering them a little bit. Uh, I think they're waiting to slip up. I think they're just playing. They're not realising why they're winning, and that was showing the second half against Parramatta. I don't know about that. I think Ivan's done a great job with them. I'm, I think this is the danger game. Out of all the games we're about to preview, that's the danger game for me. I think the Tigers could really do a number on us. They've shown they can defend like crazy they've now started they've now put some attack on against Parramatta albeit it was against Parramatta but still I think that's going to be a danger game but uh, look with the Tenworth crowd behind us I think we can get it um, Manly away at Brookie 
Uh, look, the way Manly's playing at the moment, I think we got him early. We got him good. They were just in that game. It was tip for tat at the moment. Their form looks better than us, but they did lose two players, uh, two back rowers, as well as if they don't have... Siren and Tanganoa gone for the season. And if they don't have Tommy Turbo back by that point, uh, they, they're going to lack a lot of attacking ability there because um, they don't have uh, a really an effective 5-8. They've got uh, uh, Cherry Evans and Tommy Turbo putting all their points on, in my opinion. So well, Jake Turbo as well is chiming in with a lot of points, a lot of assists. He's, He's coming- Playing a third five eight. No, he's coming off the back of a runner. He's just a butcher in a in a <laughs> in a in a footballer's clothes. Was it with you and thinking he's a butcher? He looks look, like a butcher. Yes, but I, I, look, I think Manly, they've got a point to prove in that game. They'll want to make up for round one. I think they might get us there, especially Reve- at Reve- home there at Lotto Land. Revenge game. Um, now Souths at home. Souths at home. We haven't had good good luck against Souths last few games, and we've uh, Souths managed to put lots of points on us. Uh, look, the way that um, they're playing at the moment, I, I know Alex Johnson always has a blinder against us. Sam Burgess always has a blinder. Um, look, we'll, it'd be it'd, one of those wins that can really turn the table. Uh, so fingers crossed for that we get the win there, but I'm going to have to go with Souths. I think with the home crowd, we can get it. Um, Gags, I think, will stand up. He'll have a great game. I really hope no one, if anyone at Hunter Stadium boos Dan Gago, I'll have words with him because yeah. he was a great servant to the club. He performed very well. So if you have... If you boo Dan Gago, I'll be having words. Yeah, but probably. I think we can get him. Oh, I yeah. think we can get Souths at home. Thank you very much for the... Uh, I can close your sack now, Liam. That was a great sack. Quick fire sack. Quick fire. I like that. Thanks very much, Speaks. Now, Liam, uh, uh, what do you have the time, Liam? Oh, um, time for the news. Time. Yes, now Liam, you've you've been bubbling. You've been bubbling at the seams. Um, that definitely doesn't happen at the seams. But you you've been bubbling away, thinking about this. You gave me a, you gave me a message early on uh, in the week, and you said I have to talk about this. Now, Liam, you have the floor. Now, the news. We have to discuss the so-called penalty crisis that's going on in the NRL. Now, I have a number of points to cover. First of all, Vossi brought it up, and he summed it up brilliantly. The sheer and utter hypocrisy of the people who are calling the refs all the terrible names under the sun. Now, I recall last year, these were the same people who were saying the game's being ruined by offsides. They're saying the game's being ruined by the slowing down in and around the ruck. And now, the refs are finally cracking down on it. And all of a sudden, these people think that it's the referees that are ruining the game. No, that is a bunch of... Sorry, pardon the language. That is a bunch of absolute bullshit. At a certain point, it becomes incumbent on the players and the coaches. The players and the coaches are the ones who are committing the errors. They are the ones who are infringing upon the rules of the game. It's incumbent upon them to not be penalised. Now, this came to a head for me in the Sharks versus Storm game. I was un... What's the opposite of pleasure? Unpleasured. I was unpleasured enough to watch the game on Channel 9 and... With God as my witness, I tell you I will never watch Rugby League on Channel 9 again. First of all, the way the commentators discussed that game was absolutely horrifying and disgusting. I was shocked and chagrined, Nagy. I was shocked and I was chagrined. In the last 10 minutes, they did not discuss Rugby League once. All Gus Gould did was bitch and moan about all these penalties that he's been calling for for years. What's the first thing you hear when you get to any Rugby League game and they kick the ball off? A whistle. No. Get them on side, referee. That's the first thing Todd Greenberg hears when he wakes up in the morning. Is the last thing he hears before he goes to bed. We've been calling for it for years, and now it's finally happening, and these supposed doyens of the game, your Gus Goulds and your Fatty Vortons, are finally getting what they've wanted, and they're turning around and pinning it on the refs, saying that they're ruining the game. It pissed me off to no end, and I almost threw my beer at Uncle Brian's very expensive projector and ruined it. I'm glad that I didn't, but I... Almost wish that I had. I had to walk out of the room. I was very upset. And the Sharks and the Storm, that was one of the worst examples of rugby league I've ever seen. And you know what? They played it just to shit off the refs. 
They, you know, again, Gus and Fatty at the end of the game, they came out and said, the refs have ruined this game. That was the worst game of rugby league I've watched this year. Yes, it was the worst game of rugby league this year. But you know why? Because it was two teams who have built huge success on the backs of flouting the rules and at times outright cheating. And they're finally getting called on their bullshit. And you know what? They played like spoiled, petulant fucking kids who've had their toys taken from them, thrown out of the cot... And it showed. Cameron Smith showed his true colours. He finally didn't get the run of the game. And you know what? He mouths off at the ref. He gets sent for 10. It was a bunch of absolute bullshit. One of the worst arguments for the game of rugby league I've ever seen. But for me, it actually strengthened my will that I hope the refs continue with this crackdown. And if anything, I think they need to get stricter. They've used the sin bin quite a lot, but they need to get stronger on it. And after three to four penalties, et cetera, et cetera, we've discussed it, send someone. Otherwise, you are going to get games devolving into an absolute disgusting shit show of cynical rugby league like I saw in that storm. Sharks. What's the other team? Sharks, Sharks. game. Yeah. It was absolutely disgusting. And the outrage at the refs is completely misguided, completely hypocritical, and it's being thrown in all the wrong directions. We need to look at the sh- coaches and the players and say, fucking smarten up. You are the ones infringing. You are the ones who need to fix the problem. The referees are doing their job. They're finally doing it after years and years. We've been calling for this crackdown it's finally happening and people losing their shit about it rugby league fans i know have short memories but this is getting out of control and i back the refs i back the nrl saying it and jesus christ thank you very much the first liam rant of the season it shan't Um, be the last (laughs) now liam i have to agree with you this is we've been calling for a crackdown for years Uh, tidy up the play the ball tidy up the the you know the line speed no offsides and when they were calling it uh, it, it, they, you know, then you had the, the bitch and moaning of, of the commentators. What I really don't like is because you're watching this game live, the commentators are influencing the opinion on the game. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't see this in other sports, in other codes of football. You don't see this. You don't see this disrespect with the referees. The ref, the rules in, in rugby league are pretty black and white. Um, not across the board, but like for the for you know for offsides, uh, ruck. All these things, black and white. And when they're going to be penalised on them, that you know the, that referee was a Chechen, Chechen, Chechen. Um, uh, it, he, you know, he stuck to his guns. He refereed that game same time. He didn't let, as as Crowe said when he was here, the the game sort of they like, they set the pace and then they play to the referee. Like they, you know, they, they mould the referee and say this is how the game's going to be played. We play at this speed. Um, you know, you can't penalise us every time we do it. And he did. So, look, it's going to be a moment in this season when we look back and think, okay, this is actually where teams have to realise that they can't win games. Teams like the Storm can't play around the referee and, uh, and, and you know, expect to come out with the two points. And it's about bloody time, Nagy. It's about bloody time. I agree. Now, I thought, Jesus, it took the wind out of my sails. I, I can't <laughs> breathe. <laughs> oh, Enough of the microphone. I'm getting this right in the ears. You think you got it bad where you're listening to? I got it right <laughs> into the old. I think you got it bit in the eyes. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I did it like now, but flew Liam, out of the jaw there. Liam, I, I, it was an absolute pleasure to talk <sighs> to you about rugby league. I think we need to hook you up with some sort of oxygen or mm. IV, um, but uh, restore the juice. But I tell you what, will restore the juice to your veins and to all other facets of your body. Crystal is, methamphetamine <laughs> is watching the Knights play the Broncos at. I was going to say McDonald Jones, but come on, it's Marathon, Marathon, Marathon Stadium. Uh, there we've got the 7.30 game uh, on a Saturday. That's right, the Broncos aren't playing on a Friday, which is good. It's pretty mu- they're pretty much playing two away games. They're playing away from their home ground and away from their Friday night <laughs> game. So, And it's good for us. We don't get that 6 o'clock game. Everyone's got plenty of time to get down there. We're expecting a bumper crowd. 
I'll be there. You'll be there. We'll be doing some interviews as well. So keep an eye out for us. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be excellent. Um, we'll probably hit the sunny side beforehand as well. Um, but not as good as the Commonwealth Hotel. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just because we can walk there. <laughs> and uh, Other people might be able to walk from the Commonwealth, but not us. Not us, you see. No, because it's the weight <laughs> that we carry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I'll tell you what, uh, look, it's going to be a fantastic game. Keep an eye out for us. Come say hello if you see us and we'll, we'll, we'll get you on. We'll do an interview if you want one uh, now. But Liam, if you want to see us each week right here <laughs> on Facebook. In the Annie Dome. In the Annie Dome. Look for us on the Jouse, uh, Facebook page. Uh, listen to us on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. And also keep an eye on the other pipes of the social variety. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. All this cool stuff that the kids are using. All of the children. I don't understand any of it. Uh, <laughs> especially Twitter. I, am, I, call, I accidentally called Twitter Tinder the other day. <laughs> the two very different things. Uh, <laughs> they, they said, I want to get a... Cassie tin- was very upset. She, was, she wasn't happy with me mm. at all. Now, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Liam, from Liam. For joining me once again, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm still a bit just taken aback from the rant, but now <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk to you all soon, Justice. It's been an absolute pleasure. Welcome back.